Yes, what is cracking, y'all? Welcome to The Chosen Ones. I'm your host, Joseph Richard Powell. I will be interviewing incredible human beings who are making an impact, living a life they love, and are hella good at what they do. From base camp to the peak of success, we are closing the gap between life barely lived to life on fire. Let's go. Hello, Christina. I'll give you a quick introduction here and let the listeners know why I am bothering you on a Friday to come on this podcast and spend your valuable time with me. We were just talking about how it seems like we don't have any free time until Friday because we're just catching up the four days prior. But Christina Wong is on the podcast, The Chosen Ones, today. She is a very incredible human being. I've been following you on social media since we first connected when I invited you on here, and you are doing some very incredible things. Really, really cool, and I can't wait to learn all about it. I try not to ask too many questions before because I want to learn everything with the listeners and make sure that nothing gets left out. So Christina is the co-founder and executive director of Employ to Empower, and you are based out of Vancouver, is that correct? I know you're- Yes. Yeah, here in the Lower Mainland. Mm-hmm. Right yep. in the heart of Chinatown is where our office is. Well, oh, I'm awesome. in here right now. <laughs> oh, nice. Okay, where you are yeah. physically. Okay, I'm in Burnaby here yeah. myself. So you are doing some really, really incredible things with this Employ to Empower. And can you please share with us exactly what those incredible things are? What is Employ to Empower? So in a nutshell, we are a registered charity. We're an organization that's about three years old, small and mighty and young. And what we're working towards is really providing that long-term ongoing support to entrepreneurs who face work and social barriers in the greater Vancouver area. And the people who we're serving right now is mainly residents and community members in the downtown east side and really just wanting to provide entrepreneurship and self-advocacy opportunities and seeing people from a strengths first basis and understanding that people have the strengths already and it's just a matter of helping people see that they have it. And that's always been such a fascinating thing that I've learned from the downtown east side since like 14 years ago. So that yeah. in a nutshell. Hope that was short enough. <laughs> no, I feel like you've said that a couple of times. You totally nailed it. That's perfect. And I love that idea of everything we need is already inside of us. We just need to sometimes find out how to crack that open. Or if someone has those tools, that is also helpful. But we already have that, you know, all the, all that stuff inside of us. And I just love the word empowerment and empower. And it's not about giving other people anything. It's simply helping them to find what they have. So what is the concept specifically employ to empower? I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory, but what is the mission with that? Well, really supporting people who are interested in self-employment and empowering them with the tools and the knowledge and the people to help them do what they love without breaking the bank. And what that really looks like is we work with artists, you know, craftswomen and men, service providers in the community who have like a strong desire to contribute back to the community. It's actually a really incredible thing to witness because, you know, it does confront some of the stereotypes and stigma that is, you know, on the media and TV. Unfortunately, negative news is easier news. But really understanding that people have gone through a lot throughout their life journey and be it experience with homelessness, substance use, mental health challenges. Some people are probably even either overcome or currently still going through it. And so with that said, when you've gone through something that you've come out of, you want to make sure that like you're able to help other people who might be going through similar things. And we see that so much. 
where, hey, I learned something from my experiences, you know, with homelessness. Like maybe I could help somebody else. You know, I want to contribute. Like I don't want another handout. Like that is something that I personally hear over and over again. And I think it's so valid because it doesn't feel good to be treated like a charity case or needing to feel like there's this sense of dependency of I have to go to organization X to fulfill my needs rather than, okay, how about I'm given the tools so that I can support myself and then in turn my own neighbors, kind of this like ripple effect of change that we're noticing in the community. So amazing. It is so incredible. I've had some guests on the podcast in the past who are also here in Vancouver who are doing incredible things as well. And we've had the conversation in depth about, you know, like you said, we all battle things in our life and we're all going through stuff and doesn't matter where you're located or if you have money or if you don't, life is hard. Life is a difficult thing. It can be beautiful. We have to work on that, but we all have struggles and I've had my own struggles and I've had interesting conversations in the past just about how we all started somewhere and things happen to us in our life. And at the end of the day, we're all human beings and we're all normal people And for a lot of people who may be in a harder place, if it is due to something maybe that has happened to them in the past that they're working on or needing to overcome something, when you learn the story behind the human being, you very quickly can connect to them. As human beings, we just label everything. And it doesn't mean that we're a bad person. It's just how our brains are designed. We're meaning-making machines. And in society, (laughs) it's so easy to label someone just because we see them and whether we actually physically think that way or the way we're conditioned as a human being, we just see someone and we put this label on them. And as soon as you have a conversation with someone or you learn something about them right away, it's almost instantly you say, huh, this person is just like I am. And maybe they had something at one point in their life that they dealt with. And if that would have happened to me, and if I had to deal with that, I would probably be in the exact same circumstances. Mm -hmm. So everything that I'm very passionate about the whole topic, giving back and helping people like you're doing. And I could just talk about this forever <laughs> because it's, it, I really do share that belief that we've all just had hard things in our lives that we've had to overcome. And a lot of us overcome them. Some of us need help to get through them, which is totally understandable. I've been in, the, in that place myself and I think it turns us into a better human being. The difficult things are the things that shape us into becoming great people. And It's just incredible that I'm meeting all these people through this podcast like yourself who are putting themselves on the front lines of showing this to the world, of saying we can't just go through society like this and be us and them or whatever it might be. We are all here together. We need to show compassion. We need to learn about each other. We need to hear everyone's stories and that very easily helps us to relate to everyone. So it's just incredible what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like you're helping almost entrepreneurs in a sense who may have these gifts, like you said, if they're an artist or something and you're helping them, if I'm correct here, turn that into a business kind of thing or become like a, is that the idea? Yeah, yeah. And before I dive into that, I just wanted to just comment and say like I like feel like the passion through your voice. <laughs> like and you you like nailed it. And I must say, like, I don't talk to too many people who get it right off the bat. And like the whole element of we're connected through our vulnerabilities, like understanding the story. Oh, that's first a good way that, to say it. Connected through right. our vulnerabilities. Yeah. Yeah. And treating people as people first 
I like what you said about like we're meaning. You said meaning making machines. Yeah, and I think like we label things and we want to know and judge things as like a means for survival, right? Because uncertainty doesn't really land very well on mm-hmm. us human beings. So having that, okay, well, this person is X, Y, or Z. But in the world of the Dantonese community, sometimes when like language is like one of the biggest ingredients for. Stigma and discrimination, and so what we say and how we say it's always kind of using a person-first approach. Is like what we really recommend, like person facing addiction, person struggling with addiction, versus saying a junkie or an addict, or you know a hobo. Like these are kind of like terminology and, and slang that people use, and it's not like when people hear it, it can really impact the individual. So, just really like kind of touching on that label comment that you made earlier. And anyway, I just thought it was like so great to listen to that, and you yourself have the compassion to. Also, because that's kind of the messaging that I would like to like share more with the community more widely than it is now. So yes, now I'm done that ramble. Here's my no, other that's ramble. not a ramble. That's uh, <laughs> this is all the stuff that I want to talk to you about because you are the person who's doing it. We can all sit here and talk on a podcast about we need to not label people and we need to be there and mm-hmm. show more compassion. But everyone can say it. You are in your office there right now doing it. That's the reason I want you on this podcast is because you are there and I want to hear it from you. So it's not rambling. This is, okay. you know, not that <laughs> I'm not giving you a hard time for calling it rambling, but this is like, you are the person who's there doing it and your voice should be heard because it's one thing like to be there and do it. It shows who you are as a human being, because even if we personally feel that we should show compassion and be empathetic for others and we shouldn't label others. We know that we shouldn't do these things. That is one level to it, which is a good level to be at. There's the people who do label and who, in my understanding, and people who I know and friends that I used to have. And I think in those situations, they're not bad people. They just don't understand it on the level maybe necessary yet to see past it. I don't think that it's in a way to harm anyone. But there's that level. And then there's a level of people who know that they should be compassionate and show empathy and, and all of these things. But then there's a level of people who are there fighting for it and doing it, like yourself. The distance between those two levels is huge. And for anyone who might be listening around the world, the gentleman I just had on before you is from New Jersey, so we're probably going to be getting a, a wide audience at some point. It's still young and mighty. I like the term mighty, like you said, and small. But people who are here locally, and even if not, Vancouver is very well known especially for the downtown east side and some of the issues that we're fighting here in society and working in in the downtown east side in that specific area we have a lot of challenges and the challenges here in this specific area are greater than in a lot of places in the world and you have decided to hunker down and plant yourself right in the middle of that place and get to work so I hope it's not uncomfortable how much I'm going to kind of try to boost you up in this podcast, but it's just incredible to me that I get an opportunity to start meeting people like you on this podcast who are doing these things. It really is. And part of the idea is wanting to let you know, because we all need to hear it once in a while that we're a good person and you're making an impact because, you know, we get stuck in our minds and the day-to-day life is crazy. And Mm -hmm to empower people like yourself, like you are doing the right thing and you are making an incredible impact. And I know you know that, but to let people know that, and even more importantly, to encourage other people who might be listening to be traveling this path as well by learning from your story and and what you're doing. So anyways, there's another total ramble, but yeah, so yeah. So (laughs) employ to empower. So working with entrepreneurs and 
this is incredible to me because as a coach, I've coached coaches in the past because I have a real estate background here. So I know how to do sales and marketing. And with those tools, I learned how powerful it was to help other people like coaches who are great at coaching, but don't necessarily know how to market a business or build a business. And Mm -hmm. those tools are so important to help people if they are creative or if they want to make an impact and follow their purpose. And they're very powerful tools to offer someone. And not a lot of people have those tools. So that's an incredible resource that you're offering to people who have the idea and want to express themselves and be creative. So is it a system that you have typically where you will meet someone and they say, let's just use an artist, for example, and you say, okay, and this is how we're going to kind of do this. And we're going to turn this into a business. And, you know, in that sense, is that kind of how it works? Yeah, yeah, no, that's it's really it's a good question. So, just to give you a little bit of context, like twenty three percent of the downtown Eastside community is roughly self employed, and there's roughly like fifteen thousand total like population in this community at this oh, time. Oh wow! And it's interesting because entrepreneurship is actually a great alternative to like actual employment, say like a nine to five full time job, due to the barriers that people face. Like sometimes, like if you don't have an address, you don't have a phone, and you have ongoing like chronic health challenges, it's really hard to get to a place like at 9 a.m. and be strict in the punctuality like a typical job. And so that's why entrepreneurship has been such a great alternative because you get to go at your own pace and do something that you love. And now one of the challenges that we see entrepreneurs face is the challenge of pricing themselves, like what they're worth, and also marketing, like you said, with your coaches. And so people who come to our doors like either have an idea that they want to learn how to develop further, or if they have an existing product that they're selling and need help with growth or having little to no luck with selling it, then we will also encourage them to take our course. So initially, when we first started the organization three years ago, we just had mentorship, but we also learned that we heard feedback from the community that, okay, well, before the mentorship, it'd be nice to have a little bit of a toolkit, like the blueprint as to how you start a business. And we never say that we're kind of teaching, we're facilitators, because we're merely providing the information, the tools, and how to build your business, like market research, digital literacy, financial templates, elevator pitching, all that good stuff. And they, the entrepreneurs, like can decide what tools they want to extract from it. So that's more of the analogy of like getting the armor before you go into the arena, right? But after you get the armor, the fun part is going into the arena and applying like what you learn. So we have this 10-week interactive journey of this course, the Basic Business Fundamentals course, where by the end of the 10 weeks, we hope that they'd have a business plan, a viable one. And they then apply to become an entrepreneur in our mentorship program, where then we have like a gateway access to basically endless specialist mentors who would support them with, say, like a website or graphic design or accounting business entities, as well as, you know, social resources. So for example, if someone's coming in and saying, well, I want to start a rug cooking business, but my mental health is like really not doing so well. And so we would then have a pool of resources to say, hey, no problem. Like here, talk to like Lindsay for some low cost of free counseling services, because we understand that if you're not thriving in your personal world, it's hard to thrive in your business. And so really having that holistic approach like in the entrepreneurship program. And this is like pictured as just like wraparound support, just like surrounding them with as many doors to opportunities as we can and them making the active choice to walk through it or not. And then there's also like a mentor like myself who would be there to be like, okay, well, what are our goals? You know, there's a little bit of coaching in there too with some questions that we ask. Like recently, one of the greatest questions that came up from one of our other mentors, Carissa, was what does the best version of you look like? 
what is worth doing even if you fail? And what do you want to say you've accomplished by the end of the year? So just like really being able to have these types of questions during these mentor sessions. I must say it's not like your average type of mentor session where you're like in a suit and tie in one hour, bye-bye, I got to go right at the dot. It's really customized. Like depends on what people need, right? Like if you're in market research stage, you're going to need more help than someone who's maybe in the proof of concept stage. And so we range between one to three hours of support per week, depending on what they need. It's not a cookie cutter model. There's no standardized practice because again, we're working with people, right? So that's a little bit about like our, to answer your question about like the tools, like really it's just building as many partnerships with people and organizations as we can so that people can actually even see where the door is, right? Because there's a lot of common stereotypes of like, oh, well, people should just like choose to get a job or like they should just, they could get out of a situation, but how can you get out of a situation if you don't even know where the door is, right? So like our goal is to really show people, first of all, create a door and then show people where that door of opportunity is and then walk through it with them. Whoa. Hope that made sense. Absolutely. That is, there's a few things in there that you said that just blew my mind. And it's also a great segue for where I want to lead into next, but I just want to touch on one thing that I didn't even consider with this whole idea that you're doing, I thought it was, okay, I have tools with entrepreneurship and I know how to build a business. So because I'm okay in this area, this is how I'm going to help and give back using the, these tools. That's not actually the case. You've done so much market research for this process of helping with knowing that 23% of the people that are working in that area are entrepreneurs and self-employed. And it just made so much sense to me as soon as you said, it's like the whole thing about getting a normal nine to five job is not easy. It's not easy for anyone, it seems like these days, but let alone someone with any any sort of mental health problems, which so many of us have. And it's still so hard to say that in front of a normal job and all of these things. So I didn't even take into consideration the level of it of why you're doing it, the entrepreneur approach, which is so incredible. Like that's just had a whole new layer to it to me in the sense of this is how they can do it it's not like I just want to work with entrepreneurs it's like we need to be working our own hours we need to do it kind of all of the struggles that we face as an entrepreneur these are kind of benefits to them in a sense where it's like you can work your own hours you can work even more if you want to and there isn't this template where you have to be dressed up and all these things. Like I didn't even think of that whole side of it, which is so incredible that you, when you say it like that, and it just makes so much sense. So I want to segue into what you said about this whole kind of wraparound approach of what you're doing. And that's really what I'm interested in talking about as well, because we can look at it from one view of you're providing these resources to help people to start a business. But that is just the tip of the iceberg, I think, for what you're actually doing. And I think you know that. And really, it's what's below the water is the reason why you're doing it, which is when you empower someone to come up with an idea and be creative and start a business, that doesn't just make someone a business person or an entrepreneur. That adds so many skills and improves our personal development and builds confidence and you know, creates discipline and creates self-worth. And there's so many factors that are contributing to simply this idea of let's start Mm -hmm. a business where some of the stuff is happening subconsciously, where this person is like, now I'm a business owner, I can call myself a business owner, and they are turning into this 
person who now has these responsibilities and it can totally shift this. And I've spoke with someone about the, in the past who runs a youth program, which is focused around running and exercising. Mm -hmm. And we had the same idea about how the youth are gaining all of these tools, but they're doing it in kind of a fun way, as opposed to the, like the messaging is so important where if you say like today's a goal setting workshop and we're going to focus on confidence, like that stuff Mm -hmm. doesn't work. We have to do it in a way where it's interesting to people. And Aside from that, not even just with the messaging, how much more powerfully we learn these things when we are doing as opposed to if you were to ever sit in a classroom and learn something. Like if you are, Mm -hmm. you can read a million books on how to start a business, but when you go and you start a business, you are going to learn so much and you're going to turn into a person who is capable of doing something like that so much quicker. So there's this whole behind the scenes thing going on here that I can't quite grab a hold on to. And maybe the effects are so powerful and that's part of the reason why, but I think there's so much positive aspects to what you're doing aside from the business thing. It's almost like the door using the kind of the door analogy, like you said, it's like for what you're doing, the door is the business. But yeah. actually when you yeah. go in that door, this is all about personal development, helping people to empower themselves and, become this human being who's now an entrepreneur and just like, there's so much more to it, I feel. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm going to burst. I burst with energy soon. Cause like, as you're saying certain things, I'd be like, bookmark, don't freak out. Let him finish. <laughs> I know it's, it's, um, it's hard. Like normally in with the podcast, I would be cutting you off all the time and I still do. And I apologize, but with the zoom, sorry. it's hard to like, there's still like a millisecond delay. So I know it's like, you want to say something quick, but it you have to wait. And that's why I'm like trying to remember all these awesome things you're saying as well. But yeah, I totally, I know that. No, yeah. for sure. And like, you absolutely like, and I'm so impressed that like you understand because people are like, oh no, it's just business. And we always have to remind like our supporters to be like, it's actually more than just business. And I love the analogy of like the door is the business. And once you go through, it's like the feedback we get from the entrepreneurs is like, yes, I'm a business owner, but more importantly, I feel confident. Like I feel like I'm empowered to support myself. And now I want to go help other people. That's the part that's really compelling to us. And I think it's interesting. You also say like the whole workshop, you can't just say, let's learn about confidence, but it's actually like the act of starting your own business is indirectly shaping that self-esteem piece. And I think that is ultimately like what we're trying to do and empowerment through entrepreneurship, right? And it builds so much character because in business world, you know, you practice certain life skills like negotiation or punctuality, professionalism, like all these good things. And it's very validating to hear you just like know that without even like getting more context. So anyway, I just thought I'd just add on to that. To be honest, I forgot your question. If you had I don't one. even know. I'm trying <laughs> to think if I even had one. For anyone who's watching the Zoom, which will be on YouTube, The best part and the whole point of this podcast is about promoting living with purpose and with passion in life. The point is, is I want, if people are watching this to see you and I in person, because I can see when I'm watching you and you're talking about it, you are lighting up and it's like, sometimes like I'll be talking about something and my eyes are watering because it's like just the emotion that's involved (laughs) and the passion with it of like, I have this idea of. I say like living at our fullest potential, which I know how cliche that says. And when I say it, I don't like it, but just it helps with people to understand the point. Mm -hmm. But I'm of the belief that if we want to live as human beings, we are so, we are so powerful. Like we can change the world. All of us. I truly believe that every person can. 
And in order to reach that potential in ourselves, I truly feel that we need to connect with our purpose and passion. Now, it doesn't have to be like, discover your purpose. It can be whatever, however you want to look at it, what your gifts are. But when we connect with that on a deeper level, and that's what we pursue in our life, Mm -hmm. that is what's going to allow us to live life the fullest and with the most passion. And this is a new podcast, so I haven't had a lot of guests on, but there's one thing that's very common with everyone I talk to, like yourself, Mm -hmm. is there's always this energy that gets created when we're talking and it's strictly through the passion behind what we're talking about Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. how interested we really are in a topic. I could sit here and I could interview billionaires and millionaires. We would not be having the conversation on the level that you and I are going to have a conversation with that passion involved. And that Mm -hmm. is just so incredibly, there's nothing more rewarding. Like to get that out from someone in a podcast, like that feeling Like that is Mm -hmm. the greatest feeling in the world of like feeling that you are alive, feeling that you're living with passion to be able to sit here. And like, we have this conversation and I feel that way is just the most incredible thing in the world. And that is the thing that I want to be promoting to everyone that Mm -hmm. first of all, success is subjective. Like how you live a successful life is totally defined by you. It's not by the conditioning of society of making a lot of money and being successful as we know it. It's figuring out what that means to you and being that person and promoting living life with purpose and passion to feel fully alive. And the reason I want to portray that message and inspire people is by having people like yourself who are on the show who are doing it. And I don't even know what I'm talking about right now, but it's from a level of like, (laughs) there's something happening here that you're explaining that I am feeling as well in the sense of it shows it in a level of that you can't explain. But if people are here and they're watching it, especially they can hear it in our voices, but if they're watching it, like I see the people on the show light up when they're talking about what they're talking about. And that is the signal of like that thing inside of us that comes alive. So yeah, it's, Mm -hmm. we could talk about this all day and it is really a passion. That's why I do the show and I can tell it is with you as well. So (laughs) yeah, for sure. (laughs) Let's use that. We have to find a question here somewhere. I like to just kind of take these things wherever they go. And I never know what I'm going to get from the people I speak to, but let's use that as a good segue into like the purpose and passion aspect of it with people that you are working with and people that you are helping with employ to empower. Mm -hmm. Going back to we're all human beings. We all have unique fingerprints. We all have unique gifts. Is there a level of that where people might come to you and not necessarily know what their thing is and you help them get clear on uncovering what their gifts are like Or is it just like, do you start at the level of they come to you, they say, I'm an artist, but I don't know how to do it. Or is it like anyone can come to you and there's also that first step of discovering what those gifts are and turning that into a thing? Oh, absolutely. There's some folks who come in with a couple ideas and we always reassure people and say, hey, look, you don't have to have an answer before coming to class. Like the whole purpose of this course is to walk through that with you. And people, oftentimes they change their ideas throughout the class. For example, the most recent cohort that we were working with, the individual came in with three ideas and we ended up with one because we noticed that there was one of the three that he spoke, that feeling of feeling alive, like the passion. We, we saw that come through and so we kind of decided to move towards that. And so 
the process of ideating has been really interesting because it's also, you know, you also learn like, okay, well, how do we look at which one aligns with my values and also which one is most viable and also, you know, relatable to the market today. And so that in itself is a skill building piece with the first two weeks of class because our cohorts, they're not running all the time, right? We only have three course dates throughout the year. And in between, you know, say like someone has three weeks before they come to the class, we encourage them to kind of brainstorm their idea a little bit further before they come to class as well so that they can get the most value out of our course. But no, the passion and purpose, we do get some people who are wanting to explore that, but need a little bit of help with that. And then we do also get people who just come in hot and just say, this is what I want to do. <laughs> and I care about it a lot. And like the perfect example that I could give you is you might have seen a little bit of our posts about him on our Instagram, but Team Crap Trapper. So for the listeners out there, like if you're eating, you might want to put your lunch down for a second <laughs> because I'm going to talk about poo. So literally, there is a two proud residents in the downtown east side, 25 years. They're great contributors to the community. They do street cleaning and notice that there's a lot of human like I'm just going to say it like human poo like around. And I mean, I'm sure most of us have stepped in poop at least once, you know, silently raise your hand if you have. Right. And so he started taking data of like how many piles of poop he would see per day and then wrote it down in an Excel sheet. So he started thinking, well, nobody's doing anything about this. Why isn't the city doing anything to remove it? So he came in and I remember the first question that he asked me, it was a rainy day in November. We sat at a, a cafe. He said, Hey, listen, so pop quiz, like how many piles of poop do you think there are per day? And I remember thinking, this is a day, just a day in the <laughs> life for Christina. Like, here we go. I love my, I'm like, <laughs> exactly. I'm like, I don't know. And he's like, oh, like, like 7.9. I'm like, whoa, that's a really exact number. How'd you get that? And he's like, well, I took photos for data. Do you want to see? I'm like, I don't want to see, but I believe you. It's cool. And so he says, I want to be the craft trapper. And in the beginning, he was like, I want to start tomorrow. And so like keen and passionate. And I think that's kind of where we came in. We said, how about we do a business plan first? Because we want to do it right. And what's really inspiring about him isn't the fact that like, yes, he sees a true need. And he he wants to do something that most people like don't even want to touch. But he also believes like the underlying, like you let the door is like craft trapper, right? But like beyond the door is actually wanting to hire other people who face similar disabilities that he experiences today. So really wanting to set an example that, hey, just because you have a disability or just because you're a resident in the Denton East Side, it doesn't mean you can't contribute. And we're going to start this business to help other people. So it's like a ripple effect of change by providing like an economic opportunity for folks as well. And so with the gentleman, Mark, like it's been about a year, 15 months now that he's joined our program and it's up and running. It's so incredible they have removed like over 1.25 tons of human waste since like last summer throughout COVID. And it's just really cool to see like, you can come in and say, I'm really passionate about removing poo. And he wants to not only hire people that face barriers only, but also like clear up the streets. So like he said, down the line, I want people to come to here as tourism and be able to walk through the streets without having to worry about stepping in, in waste, right? And so, sorry, I didn't mean to talk about. I hope no, it's okay no, that I'm I was about, actually just you know. my next question was going to be like, what are some like examples of people that you're working with, and like, what are they doing? So that was exactly headed okay. in the direction <laughs> I was wanting to ask you. But yeah, yeah, that's great, and like, I love the team. You know, we always. I remember the first time he told me you want to be crap trapper. I remember thinking to myself, "My God, your slogan should be shit happens or making shit happen." Or and he's like. 
do people pay you to do these puns? I'm like, well, no, it just kind of comes naturally. It rolls off my tongue because I'm like so eager. <laughs> and he's just, he's like, okay, like calm down. I came up with nine different options. And then we decided not to use, like put the star between shit because in case kids see it, like we just profanity, right? But it's just like these two, they're best friends. Elwood is like the COO and chief operations officer. And then Mark, who's the salesperson getting all the contracts, he's like, he calls himself the chief crap officer, like the CCO. <laughs> it just cracks me up because like they love it and they both know their strengths and they revel in it together. Even like the whole wraparound support, when they came in, like they needed support with a logo, business cards, a biography. So that's just where we loop in our specialist mentors and say, hey, 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 Mark needs help with this. Can you meet with him? Okay. So it's not just like the mentor that knows it all. Mm-hmm. Like we're kind of a connector. And because it's often challenging to even access certain networks, like, and the reason why I say that, and to give a little bit of context as to why I say that so confidently is because I've had multiple experiences where there's a lot of immediate assumptions and judgments that come from, say, like a, a business owner that isn't really involved in the downtown east side and making certain assumptions and judgments about residents who are coming from the east side. And this actually happened because Crap Trapper got a call to remove a pile of human waste and the business owner on site basically treated the person very poorly and didn't believe that they were here to help remove the waste and, yeah, like ended up spraying him in the face with water, which was really horrible. And I feel like maybe I heard about that. Was that something that was publicized? Like, I feel like I remember hearing something about someone spraying someone with water or something. Could be not related, but I don't know. Oh, I didn't hear about that. This happened recently, so I'm not sure if it ended up getting publicized, but I think it's being reconciled right now. But it was just one of those things where, like, if you put that into context and imagine that for a second, that you're here trying to do something that nobody else wants to do, which is picking up waste and then being doubted for it because of the way that you look. It really messes with your trust. And um, because of that, we want to be able to build as many relationships as we can with specialists so that like when entrepreneurs come in, like they skip that extra hoop of mm-hmm. possible discrimination that might come through. And also like us doing the work to fight that stereotype of like, actually, you know, Mark can get access to someone like Amanda, who's like our lovely like digital marketing specialist who can help you get set up on Facebook and Instagram. And like someone like an accountant from DNH group can talk to you about business entities and your taxes. So like accessing services that you cannot traditionally access if you face certain barriers and also certain stigma mm-hmm. that exists as well. And ha- yeah, so, and ha- having that support in those times when it's like, wait a minute here. And then you're like, okay, this is like, there's a legitimate business here behind me. And, and yeah, I can see how powerful that could be adding those elements into it as well. And it's in a positive light and you probably know better than I do, but I feel like at least we're trending in the right direction of putting a spotlight on kind of what's happening and making like people are, we are really starting to see change. And even the city is stepping up a little bit with funding and focusing on what we can do better. And I'm not going to get into what the city's doing because that's a whole nother conversation of, of how that goes. But it does seem like, you know, for years we've been talking about change needs to happen. And that's been the end of the conversation where hopefully now it seems like we are actually starting to think about ideas that will create change. And a lot of that is saying thanks to people like yourself who are there doing this. So hopefully we're trending in the direction where at least it's getting better, but we are still living in that time of stigma and all of these very real issues like you're talking about. There's an idea that I've been working on about in my own life, and I'm curious to bring this into this conversation with a couple of things that you talked about, about 
I feel like from myself as a human being and whether it's tied to my personality and with many people, I don't just mean to say this by myself, but whether mm-hmm. it's like if it's OCD or ADHD or one of these things, some element that I have in the mental health world that I live with an addictive personality. Now that could mean drink, which I don't drink. I haven't drank in three years, but if I drink, I'm very good at drinking and I can drink, you know, it's like, I have that very extreme personality of all or nothing type thing. And I just know who I am as a human being. And I don't really know where that comes from, but I do know who I am and how to use that to my benefit. So I don't do drugs because I know what that would look like if I like got into prescription drugs. That's probably the scariest thing in the world to me because I know who I am as a human being. And if I were to Mm -hmm. do that, it would be horrible for me. Same with eating. If I have potato chips in the house, I will eat them. <laughs> you know, it's mm-hmm. like, you know, even on, a, on on that type of level, but it also goes both ways where I have friends who are dealing with very serious addictions. I have many good friends who have passed away from, from those problems. It's a very real thing. And sometimes the conversations that I've had that I've learned in my own life is like people who are like this with these extremist personalities and addictive personalities, we have this incredible energy where it's like, when you point me towards something, just the way that my brain works, it's not about me thinking I want that. This is just how I'm designed. If you point me towards something, I'm all in. The problem Mm -hmm. is if I do that for something negative that is self-destructive, it really hurts me. Mm -hmm. But if you learn to do that towards something positive, I will change the world in that area. When I kind of went on my personal development journey and I got involved with personal development. I read every Tony Robbins book in a week. I was reading a book a week. I was, I became like a licensed NLP practitioner, CBT practitioner, a life coach, personal trainer. Like when I go in, I go all in and my work as well. I bury myself in work. And you know, the argument is that's not always healthy and you need to find balance, but for some people it's not that easy. So for me, and I do work on that every single day, but I truly love what I do. So I don't actually feel I need that balance because I enjoy every single day of what I'm doing. But for me, it's about how I direct that energy that I have. And with the name of The Chosen Ones and a book that I've written recently and with coaching, for me, a chosen one is someone who, and it doesn't have to tie into this personality of someone who has this addictive personality. I don't even know if the right term is addictive, but it's these similar character traits of very extreme and very passionate and very motivated. And the idea is these people are the chosen ones where you have something, you're extremely motivated by something, you're extremely passionate about something. Mm-hmm. And the idea is helping those people, I call it guidance for a rare breed, because you help them point that energy and motivation towards something that they love to do that will change the world. And I think it's kind of like a unique breed of humanity of people who have that motivation. And I spent many years of my life like falling in one job, falling out of another, but I've always had this motivation of I want to be doing something and I'm really hungry and passionate. But it's right. you feel very lost if you don't know where to point that towards. And sometimes if you don't know where to point that towards, it can be addictions and it can be drugs and it can be alcohol. It can be social media, anything to distract yourself. So the secret that I learned with this is how to point that energy in a way that serves you. And I've talked to friends about this, about who are overcoming addictions, how we can point that energy to something that will serve them. And just around the area of addictions and mental health and how we see this in the downtown east side, and it's not everyone and not to label, but 
I'm kind of spitballing just my thoughts now, but there's a connection, I think, about just knowing from my own personal experience of when I'm directing that energy towards the right thing, how incredible it is and how happy I am in life because I feel like I'm living with purpose and I'm doing the right thing. I wonder how much that's connected in this scenario where these people might have those same things that I have, the mental perspective of, and I think there's a whole level of learning about awareness with mental health from that area of like addictive personality and and maybe what causes that or, or whatever. But at the end of the day, there are so many people who, I know tons of people when I say like, I'm an all or nothing kind of guy, or I'm, you know, I'm very extreme. Pretty much half the people relate to me. They're like, me too. Like, I totally get it. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if there's something there. And I mean, I think there is where there's other people that you're working with who are similar to people like myself. What you are doing is you're helping them to point that energy to something positive. They create this passion and purpose in their life that totally changes them as a human being and changes their whole thought on life. And that gentleman that you mentioned is the perfect example of that. You know, when you said that he said, I want to start tomorrow, like, this is it. This is what I want to do. Yeah. I connect yeah. with that instantly. I know that feeling. Mm -hmm. So it's like you're, you're creating people to point that incredible energy that they have at something that's going to help them and serve them. And mm -hmm. that is so powerful that because at the end of the day in the downtown east side, there is a good amount of people who are going through those problems and it very well likely could be that it could have something to do with this same personality type that I have of being this person. And one of the solutions to help these people or empower them, I should say, rather than help them is to help them to point that energy at something that serves them because that changed my life. And that's just something, an idea that I've been playing with about how we just need to point that in the right direction and you will do incredible things. And I call these people the chosen ones because they have such intense energy when they do point it in the right direction. They are the people that will change the world because it takes that level of passion and energy and hunger to do those things. And these are the most incredible human beings on the planet because not everyone has that level of passion and motivation. So the secret is here they are. And if we can just point them in the direction that is going to serve them and make them happy and change the world, they will do that. And I think that you're mm. doing that. That's actually a really beautiful narrative of, you know, when you, kind of like when you, the target, for lock and then the target, and then you go, right? It's a very clear kind of focus. And we talked about like addictive personalities quite often, like in this dialogue too, but like, do you follow Gabor Mate? I do, yeah. I actually I sent him an email to get him on the fellow yeah. Vancouver. Yeah. I had to invite him on the podcast, of course. I, of course, it was, you know, you're, take <laughs> okay, your, you're you are on. number 10,082. Thank you. But uh, <laughs> but no, I do. But yeah, sorry. But but no, I would love to hear from your experience. I would love to dive into this conversation and learn a bit from your experience about this. Yeah. Because this is something I'm just learning about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I mean, if you already did a little bit of research on Gabor Mate, but like he had this really quick three-minute clip. I forgot what platform it was on, but just really diving into like why addiction does happen overall. And like what I learned from his clip was like, you know, the findings of like as to why was like this lack of like social connection and sense of community. And that was one of the things that really gave perspective to me because, you know, oftentimes like, oh, like they should just stop using it or like it's their own fault that they're using this, but like really just prompting you to think a layer deeper into that of like, okay, well, why is this individual using substances? And oftentimes the response you get is to numb the pain, to numb what you're feeling. And why are you numbing the pain? Usually there is an underlying reason that's 
quite possibly unforeseen circumstances that are out of people's control. And like, so like for us, like some interesting parallels I made is like, you know, we do work with people who are still facing addictions at this time and people still showing up to meetings and doing this simultaneously to facing their addictions. And I mean, we make it very clear that like, you know, you do or do you not, you know, we don't see you differently. You can be facing addictions and also be functional at the same time. Like those two can occur. And sometimes I notice that when I say that, they're like, oh, I didn't know that. But like, no, you can. And not even looking at them as the same, but looking at it as a superpower where it's like yeah. you have this passion and this motivation and this energy. It's like you can use that in such an incredible way. Sorry, but yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. And like, I do see that drive of like, because there's always this conversation of like, if you if you don't love what you're going to do, you're not going to you're not going to do it. You know, you're going to feel like it's an obligation, and sometimes like even resentment can arise from that. And so like it's really cool to work like closely with people who are pursuing what they love. I actually never even like thought about it that way. I just kind of thought of it as like I knew it was always something people enjoyed doing, but it is a passion purpose-led life that people are pursuing like with the whole resource approach too, like being able to point people in the direction like with the tools that they need to learn what it's like to do you know say like business communications outreach learning how to talk to sales owners to take some of your inventory and sell it for you you know how do you host a workshop of rug hooking to young students who want to learn rug hooking like those are the things that people are like always learning and even like business character, like, you know, punctuality, all that kind of stuff is like in the works at all times. And like even being able to look at each person's circumstances differently, because there's a lot of bureaucracy around and colonialism as to, you know, the whole, you know, you got to be 15 minutes early before a meeting starts, or you can fill out like a 10 page form before you can even sign up onto a course. Like we're trying to really unlearn that. Like one of the things that we do is like, to kind of combat that bureaucratic approach. It's like, they want to sign up for a course. We won't just give them a piece of paper and have them sign it and come back because there's so many barriers that you might, like, for example, someone's eyes, like they have bad eyes, like they can't really like write and see and it really hurt their eyes. So what we do is like, we have this informal conversational approach where we'll sit down with you for like a coffee for like, I don't know, like an hour, like get to know who you are. And then naturally you kind of get answers to your form as you talk to the individual and even offering to help write the answers as they speak. That's also been like a really interesting way to kind of combat some of the bureaucratic approaches with signing for programs. I don't know how I got here. Yeah, no, it, it, just, it just shows your level of passion in the project itself. Those little details of like, here's a paper, come back when you're ready. It's like, no, no, no. Like you are there to really create the change and giving them every resource they need. And I think when you say about the passion and the purpose aspect, which might be included in it. That's kind of what I mean with, it's kind of hard to grasp how big of an impact what you're doing actually makes because there's so many things happening. We can't even know all of the positive aspects to what you're doing. And I, there's just so many moving parts. There's so many incredible ways and different things that are going to help people through that process. You can't even see them all. That's why when I was saying like, what you're doing is so big. It seems simple. When you say the idea, like your first spiel at the start, mm -hmm. you can say it in 30 seconds, but then we could easily sit here for two hours and crack that open and say how many benefits people are getting from this idea. I want to make sure that I don't overlook that point. But what you said about with addictions and how people get here, that is the most important thing. I totally believe that. Like we have to go back and look. There's a reason it's not we want to necessarily use drugs. You know, what happened to us? What got us here? And that's how we really solve the problem is dealing with the things that we're covering up and dealing with the pain. I truly do believe that. 
And I think for, I'm just throwing random numbers out here. It seems like 80% is my number today, but it seems like 80% yeah. of the time that probably is the reason people are ending up with addictions is they're dealing with something that may have happened to them or they're dealing with pain or loneliness and lack of community first. I absolutely believe that. And I'm so glad you brought that up because when I learned about all that a couple of years ago and knowing who I am as a human being, that's when I went back in the past and said, okay, so this is the common reason why maybe I was drinking a lot or if I was using drugs and all these things. So what happened to me in my life that led me to this point? And I really went back and I spent a lot of time on self-awareness and learning about me and going back in time. And one thing I will say, I mean, trauma doesn't have to be this crazy huge thing. It can be something fairly small at a young age that can have a huge impact on us. So I will start by saying that. But overall, my life has been pretty good. I have incredible parents. They were entrepreneurs. You know, they took care of me. You know, they loved me. I was very blessed in that sense of, for the most part, you know, I was raised well for the majority of it. The one thing in my personal experience is I did go to a high school in a small town that was, I think, very unhealthy. My parents did end up getting a divorce. And for my last year of high school, I switched high schools. So I did get to experience two high schools. And mm. the new high school I went to for one year, that was an eye-opener for me about how bad the first four years of high school were for me and how bad that school was. So I do right, think right. a big part of it was the people I was surrounding myself with and the environment, which goes into a small town in Ontario. There's nothing to do. Children are bored. So you end up drinking and using drugs and fighting and because you don't have anything positive to express that energy with, you know, you come here to Vancouver and it's beautiful and there's so many things to do that you can, I think that's a big part of it anyways. But for the most part, my life was pretty good. And that's what really led me on the journey of getting to a point where I don't really have an answer for something specifically that triggered me to have that addictive lifestyle. Like something didn't happen to me specifically that made me want to start drinking. And that's what really led into me to thinking about, I think it's just how I'm designed as a human being and how my brain is wired, where it's just that I do have these kind of addictive personalities. And, you know, I do know like ADHD and OCD and I use those to my benefit. I have a lot of energy, but sometimes <laughs> I'll read the same email about 30 times in a row because I like I'm <laughs> hyper focused. But anyways, I'm so glad you brought that up because I would hate to leave this podcast and then people think, no, like that I'm not aware that it's likely because one of these more common problems. But anyways, that's just a quick backstory as to how I kind of got with that idea of, I think there's something here a little bit more for the people who have those same character traits as people who are dealing with pain, but maybe they didn't have something like that specifically that happened to them. And maybe they're actually just wired this way. Hopefully they never get to a point in their life where they get on a path where drugs and alcohol are available to them and they'll be fine and they'll just be motivated and live a great life. For most of us, we always go through that trial phase of drinking and in high school and partying. And I think for some of us, just the way that we're wired and who we are as a human being that just kind of triggers something in us that sends us down this path. So I think it, the reason I kind of say it is because people can still be susceptible to that lifestyle. Like myself, mm -hmm. it doesn't mean that you have to have had something that has happened to you, which yeah. also translate into maybe people on the downtown east side are just wired this way. And this is just who we are as human beings, including like myself. You know, so I think there's still like a hidden conversation in there for around personality types. Anyways, I'm talking yeah, way more right on this on this podcast than I want to be, but I love the topic. And I just talked mm -hmm. about my past. And the last thing I want to talk about, I know how busy you are, and it's Friday and you're close to the weekend. 
I want to <laughs> segue this into the final section here. I'm not going to take up too much more of your time, but I want to focus on the most important part of every episode, which is learning about the incredible human being who is behind the incredible thing they're doing, especially in your case more than ever, because as I mentioned, we all have these thoughts that we should be a certain way, but you are the person who is there doing it. You are the person going out for coffee for an hour, helping someone to fill out a form. That is a very special type of human being. And we have to know, including the listeners and myself, where does that person come from? Thanks for sharing a little bit about your story with me, like how I know that it's probably so much more hidden conversation underneath. And you're absolutely right. Like unforeseen circumstances is definitely one of many reasons, you know, like being wired in that way. Like I've heard that conversation as well coming from folks in the community and not just in the community, but anywhere. And so, yeah, I think a little bit for my own story, I do go back a little bit to my roots and you know, I'm born and raised in Vancouver one of the Growing few, up. represent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, represent. Parents born in Hong Kong, they came here. My mom got married really early, you know, had me in Vancouver. And you know, my mom's always been someone who's very compassionate and protective and loving. And so growing up, I was always a kid that, like, you know, never stopped asking why. And I asked why about things that they didn't want me to ask why about. You know, like, they're probably thinking, Christina, why don't you ask questions like, why shouldn't I touch the stove, the hot stove? But things I asked, like, why about was like, okay, well, like, we used to go to Chinatown to go grocery shopping, and I was always told to, like, sit in the car and lock the door and keep my eyes down and don't make any eye contact with anybody. And for those who are our listeners who aren't from Vancouver, like, the downtown east side is considered one of the top poorest postal codes in Canada. And I remember just thinking, but why can't I just, like, look at people or like, why can't I engage? And, you know, as a protective family that I was raised up in, like, they didn't really give me answers. Just Oh, don't worry about it. Just do as I say. My parents are always right. So I basically felt, well, okay, well, I was also a very stubborn kid, so I didn't get answers. And I thought, okay, well, I'm going to just go volunteer. I started at the age of 14, grade nine, and it wasn't much of an academic. I didn't really thrive in school. So I got involved in a club called Killarney Youth Council, and they had out trips where they would go into the community and hand out care packages. And at the time, I thought, this is great. <laughs> I'm like, here's where I'm going to get some answers, right? Not the TV. And unfortunately, all I saw on TV was, you know, the crime, the drugs, and the violence. And I'm not going to sugarcoat it and say that it doesn't happen. I think it does. It's just a perspective of, like, seeing the other side of the strength and the resilience that isn't in the media, the wins of, like, Mark and Deirdre, who's, like, one of our fiber artists in the program, using art as a way to heal mental health challenges like depression and anxiety. Like those stories, I feel like weren't portrayed in the media at the time. So going back at age 14, I learned two lessons from the community that like shaped and pulled in power today. But basically at age 14, I was handing out the care package. I was giving out like a bag of toiletries and I was giving it to an elderly gentleman who was in a wheelchair. And I basically said, here you go, like have a nice day. And I remember he stopped me and he said, Oh, wait, like, I hear, I don't actually really need, like, the toothpaste, and I just, I actually have a job interview tomorrow, so you can take it back and give it to somebody else who might need it more than I do. And I think in that moment, it really taught me, like, the importance of listening to what people need rather than assume, because what I think people need isn't always what people need. Kind of like when you go to, I don't know, you're wearing Nike, like, you go to a Nike store, you wouldn't go in there and the sales associates wouldn't run to you and say, hey, hey, Joe, buy this wristband or shoes. Like, you'd go in there wanting what you need at that time, likewise mm-hmm. with the elderly gentleman. So I took that lesson to heart. It sounds cheesy, but like in that moment, it was kind of a calling. And, and this happened 
14 years ago. I don't think it as cheesy. And I actually want to give you credit on taking that lesson and learning from it because you could have easily just like, oh, okay, like on to the next person. Like you were actually yeah. there to learn something. And I think that it's just as valuable that that lesson happened that you listened to it because it is great advice. But when you say that, it's not something that just necessarily, I think people would see that and pick <laughs> up on it. Like it's actually quite incredible that you took that as a lesson, a very important lesson for sure. Sorry, but yeah. Oh no, thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. Okay, so it's not cheesy. Um, no, just like really thinking about, I knew at that point I wanted to do something in social services after, you know, I graduated from high school and university because I did have expectations that I, I was under my parents' roof, so I did have to kind of follow like the rules. And so I took that lesson to heart, finished high school. I was in university and I was in the middle of switching from UBC to SFU. And so I had like three months to kind of wait until the SFU would accept me. And I thought, this is perfect. Like I can use this time to like, you know, dive back into the community, which I hadn't had much time to do during school. And so I started something called the Street Store Vancouver. The concept began in Cape Town, South Africa, but it's basically a pop-up clothing store for people to choose what they want and need at no cost. Whoa, and so that's basically, incredible. Yeah, What's, it's a what was it called? Shopping. Street? Uh, street Store. Street Store, okay basically allowed anyone around the world internationally to host one as long as they applied. And I started in 2014. I just thought, well, great, like, let's apply this dignity lesson of allowing people to choose 10 items of their choice at this event. And I remember just asking my five of my best friends to come with me and just have a couple tents and get donations from the community and set it up like a retail store. But I think as a 21-year-old, it ended up being like, there was like 30 volunteers and there was like 10,000 donations and there was a thousand residents that came and I was just like, oh my gosh, this is so like, this did not expect to turn out to be such a big event. And it showed the power of community. And we thought, okay, let's do it every Christmas. As long as I'm still in school, I can do this like once a year. Right. And so the second lesson came throughout multiple conversations with the community members in the downtown East side. And like, because when people are coming through, we have, we talk to people, right? We're like, Hey, how you doing? You know, like eventually you kind of get to the conversation of what barriers that people are currently facing. And it wasn't until I met a family so like the street store, like picture like an outdoor festival. There's like music, food, there's male and female clothing, toiletries, accessories, shoes, whatever you name it. It's like a giant store. And I remember there was one year that we saw like a young boy just like sprint into the store. It looked like he's about four or five and um, running at a team of 60 volunteers. And we were just thinking, oh my gosh, this like this kid has no parents. Like where's the mom and the dad? And we're like, so he's like running closer. And we're all kind of in a bit of a panic because he looks like he knew one of us, but we couldn't tell who he was looking at. But eventually I thought like he was running in my direction. I started like, you know, opening my arms, like give him a hug, but then thinking that he was going to hug me, but he totally didn't hug me. He like went underneath my armpit and like went to like the toys tent. And I remember feeling like so butthurt. I was like, like, oh, whatever, it's fine. But I went to the tent and he actually, he saw like a guitar that he wanted to get. And so basically we started packing him toys. And then eventually his parents came in and was basically saying like, oh, like, you know, sorry. Like he kind of got really excited when he saw the toy tent. We like as parents, like we weren't able to afford a gift for him because of like the lack of self-sustainability, the lack of long-term employment and self-employment. And so that kind of got me thinking of like, what can we do beyond the street store, right? Like what can the street store evolve into that could support people in the long run, especially in the self-employment field? So this is the part where like I was still working like I still did the street store after I graduated from university and I was in a full-time job at the time when this had happened. And so met the family and it just was the last straw of like, okay, I think I, I wasn't really quite 
find that purpose and passion in my corporate job. Although I love the mission, like it was event planning. And so I quit the job and then I started Employed Empower in 2018, just three years ago. And really just doing some research and like practicing that active listening. Because I didn't want to just come into a community and be like, here's what I'm going to do and I'm going to be the savior. But like, we're really like anti mm-hmm. savior because the people who can help themselves are the people who themselves, not like we're maybe facilitators and we'll like be your ally and your collaborator, but it's the work is on them and the credit goes to them. Mm-hmm. They're the inspiration. And so we interviewed a bunch of entrepreneurs in the community and like people who are in self-employment and just like understood some of the barriers they faced and created a program that tackled those barriers. So for example, like, you know, not getting access to traditional loans. So we have a microloan program, you know, needing more holistic one-on-one support. So now we offer that. A maker space, right? Like we don't have the biggest space here, but people can come in to do work here if they'd like. Mm-hmm. And just like really creating that sense of community and belonging as well. Like we have your backs. Like we may be helping you start your business, but we're also like, we'll also hang out with them on their birthday, you know, because they don't have anyone else to hang out with. There's a social and economic element that's kind of uniquely blended together. And so that's kind of how like the roots of everything had started just really from like a curious kid that never stopped asking why and drove my parents just wild and led me to here. And I never thought I would like start at my own organization. I think it just kind of happened organically. Like just being like, point blank fed up. I was like, okay, like it looks like there could be more and like really understanding how can we be useful to the community, not just coming in with a solution that we think will work? Because that's a common mistake that is made. And I think also like it helps that I started at age 14 where like I had a chance to really, I'm not going to say I know everyone in the community, but I did get a chance to build good relationships with people who trusted me enough to tell me how it is, mm-hmm. right? And me having my ego down and like my assumptions just like starting with a fresh slate of thinking, okay, like let's try and work towards like, combating some of those barriers that you're facing and create a program that's actually useful. So hope that made sense. (laughs) Absolutely. However, there was something that was said in there that I want to poke at a little bit and I want to challenge you a little bit Yeah, because the person who thinks I have a few months before school starts, this is the perfect opportunity for me to get back into the community. That's not the way that a typical person thinks. A typical person thinks I should go on a holiday Or I should start a new hobby. The first thought they have in their mind isn't to get excited about going out and helping people and giving back. So Mm -hmm. your answer is perfect. And that lesson, I think, has really shaped you for you to learn the lesson on that level. But Mm -hmm. on a deeper level, clearly there is something inside of you that is that person who tells yourself before school starts, this is the perfect opportunity for me to go and give back and work in the community. Where does that person come from? What is that thing inside of you that is so rare? Because that's the thing that separates you from pretty much every person, except for the other small percentage of the world who are making the world a better place on the level that you are. Where does that thing come from? Oh, that's a good question. It's a challenge. Yeah, I've been asked, like, where does that come from, Christina? Or who told you that? And I'm like, oh, I got to travel all the way back (laughs) into these boxes that I didn't know existed in my head. Give me a moment there, because I do wanna, don't want to just answer for the sake of answering. I do want to reflect on, like, because I did, yeah, I was like, okay, that's if you're going to take me. And I was you know, a little bit panicking about that. But then I was like, oh, but then I have, like, four months. What should I do? And I said, well, it made me think about my experience when I was 14. And, like, 
feeling like, oh, wow, like no school for three months. Like I could just kind of carry on. Cause I told you that was kind of like my calling moment, right? So it brought me back all the way there. I would say in terms of like the values and the characteristics of like wanting to support the community, I do think that does stem from like the compassion trait that like, I think my mom had I watched like growing up, like as a mirror, like, you know, to give, even if you have little. And so that has been kind of like an inherent trait I had within myself that like drove me to want to go do that like for the three months from like I think it was like September to December that I had off until January like school would start at the time or they would let me know if I got in or not and like I wasn't the best at school and I didn't feel alive doing it I mean I'm sure some people might say like they did feel alive in, in the system of education but for myself I didn't and I felt most energized and most alive when I was working with people who face barriers and like there was something about like seeing what the media doesn't see that really motivated me to be like, wow, like maybe we should challenge what we see on TV more often and like look hard for ourselves because if you're willing to look, like you're really going to see something different. Things that might support, like honestly, like it's not like a one-way relationship. I feel like the relationships I have, it's a symbiotic learning experience. Like we have doors for people in our program and for us, like it teaches me like the importance of like authenticity, the importance of helping others too because even when I met some people like at the street store, like, you know, people always talk about like, yeah, like I volunteer, like I help other people, like I've gone through shit and I want to help people get through theirs. Like, it's just a really incredible, like kind of like bi-directional, like relationship and environment to be in. And I, I feel like that's just simply put, it's just something that makes me feel truly like energized and alive. And not to say like, this isn't easy work. Like, I'm not going to be like, oh yeah, like there are days where it's really hard and it does take a lot of like emotional, like reservoir you know, by the end of the day, like I'm wiped, like, you know, I'm tired and I go home. But like, I think the most important thing is that like, kind of like how you roll out of bed, but you're really excited to be here. It's the same thing. Like I, I do feel excited to do it all over again the next day, despite how like tiring it can be. I don't know if I answered your question, but where it comes from, I would say a blend of like my family and my upbringing and just like, just feeling really alive. Maybe it's also an addictive personality, right? Like just wanting to be around that as much as I can. I think that's an incredible answer, and it's not an easy question. And sometimes we don't know. Like, sometimes there's just this thing inside of us that pushes us to do this thing, and we might not know the answer to it. I love your answer about, like, the passion. Like, when you started doing that, it gave you a feeling that other things in your life weren't giving you. And I think giving back does give that feeling. I think it makes us feel happy and fulfilled and something that money could never fill. Um, but the thing on top of it all, which I thought you would say, because you did say it in our conversation is about your mom and showing that compassion because that does show today. Compassion is one of the biggest character traits to have to do what you do. And that's an incredible lesson for any parents who might be listening to show how far that can go with your children to teach them compassion because it turned you into a person by instilling that simple belief. It has turned you into a person that is now changing the world. So if you're a parent and you are teaching your child compassion, this is where it can really, this is a great, and I'm learning about this show as well, but these are great things to learn about how people are raised is a big part of who they become, of course, and why they're doing what they do. And if we can learn what these things are, we can pass those on to the future because we definitely know that we need more people that are doing things like you're doing. And to create more of those people, we need to do what these incredible parents did for them. And in this case, it was teaching and showing compassion when you were a young child. And that definitely stuck with you. And that's what it takes to 
do things on the level that you're doing them to be the person who is setting up shop in the heart of the downtown east side, creating the change, as opposed to the person who listens to a podcast and says, people need to be doing that. There's a big gap between those two people. And I think compassion is one of the things, like just on an extreme level, that turns you into that person. So shout out to your mom for that. And to all the young <laughs> parents. Yeah, Mama Wong <laughs> and all the parents out there who are we're all doing our best and I'm not a parent and I have two nephews and my sister is, and I see how crazy of a world that is. And I know for sure all parents are doing the best that they can. And it's not an easy job. It's the hardest job in the world. So it's not a thing of like, here's how to parent. That would never be the message I'd be trying to get across. But here's a great example of someone who added this element into probably just a lifestyle and probably how your mom was raised because that comes from somewhere deep in a lot of cases. And just how incredible when you plant a seed like that, what it turns into. So I know how busy you are. I have one last question for you, and then we're going to figure out how to reach you, how to get involved, if that's an option. Of course. And then we'll, we'll wrap up here. My last question is one that I like to ask everyone is for someone who might be, let's say, where you were in school when you didn't really have that feeling of being alive before you got into doing what you are today. For someone who might be in that place, and they're looking, they got their, you know, the world ahead of them. They don't love what they do. What is your advice to that person? It's a very broad question. So however you feel like answering it, but someone's there, they're where you were, even yourself at that age, what would you go back and give yourself advice to about figuring out what do I want to do with my life? How can I live a happy lifestyle? What's it all about? Anything that you want to share with that person? Is it, say, like a high school student, per se? Like, who, or, yeah, or it could anyone be anyone. Anyone who's kind of in, because we all reach that point at different ages. And I coach people who are 40 years old. I mean, I was 33 when I hit that fork in the road of, of figuring it out. So anyone who's just reaching that point of saying, maybe I'm not really where I want to be and there's is there more for me? And thinking about maybe taking that step into a different direction and changing the trajectory of their life for something different. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's a great one. I think if I could speak to like maybe different age groups, I think like, I don't know, I feel like when you're in high school and university, you get asked the question, oh, what do you want to be when you grow older? What do you want to be? What do you want to be? And it can be a very awkward question to answer because you're just figuring it out. You're being told so many things and like you're doing planning 10 where your career exploration, like it's hard to answer the question. I think like first, like setting the expectation that it's okay for your path to change. It's not always going to be linear. Like I went into university thinking I wanted to be a social worker, and then I was a applied behavior analysis therapist for kids with autism, and then I was a mental health worker. So and then oh, wow. now I'm starting my own charity. And then also I was in event production. So like I changed my path five times. I'm not saying everybody should do that, but be okay with the changes because like we're malleable people. Like we're not always designated to just do one thing forever, especially because like it is also affected by like our life experiences and our desires to grow in certain ways. And so first planting that seed, like it's okay for your, your path to change. And also just being really curious, right? Like if you're really looking for that passion and purpose, like I always try to look for opportunities in school outside of the classroom to get involved in. One of my biggest inspirations is like the youth council leader that I was a part of when I was 14. Like she's my mentor still today. She's like my sister, mentor, friend, like, and really being able to just like try certain things that like even if you know like you might not love it like even with Colin Youth Council I knew that 
there are some projects that I could possibly be interested in. So like not being afraid to get your feet wet because knowing that if you get your feet wet, you can dry it and you can also come back out if you don't like it, you know? So giving yourself grace and not feeling like you have to tie down to any commitments that you make, whether it's extracurricular clubs. One of the things like, and I say volunteering is because when you volunteer, like that's pure, you know, like, or maybe sometimes you use it for hours for school. That's also cool too, right? But like, you're giving your time. So it's kind of like planting the seed in some ways. Like, you know, like, what do you feel like you want to give your time to for free and still feel like you really enjoy doing? That is kind of like a little stepping stone and planting the seed to finding like passion and purpose, right? And like noticing certain things that like make you feel very energetic, right? Like and paying attention to that, writing those things down. Those are all little nuggets that I felt like I wish that I did when I was younger because I was also like, if I were to rewind, like when I was 14, I was surrounded by make sure you don't do too much of the art stuff, you know, you can't get a future with that. Even though I got like 99% in band class, like I was a more of an arts person, right? So it's not to say don't listen to your parents, like still consider what your parents' expectations of you are and also don't be afraid to challenge them. Yeah, that's something that I would add as well because I was too afraid to challenge and I had to get pushed to the very end of 2018 before I was like, okay. And honoring that everyone's going to go at their own pace too, right? Like some people might do when they're 15, some people might do when they're mid-university, but knowing this narrative now might be able to help you do that sooner. So that was like a combination of four different little nuggets that I would give somebody. Incredible advice. The more, the better for any of us who are trying to figure it out. I think one thing that resonates with me that you said is definitely only we know what we're on this planet to do and what we enjoy doing. No one can tell Mm -hmm. us what that thing is. So I'm a big advocate of with what I do with discovering purpose and helping people find passion is all about opening themselves up to what they enjoy. It has, I have no, I don't plant any seeds. It's simply asking the questions to help them get the answer that they want. So I do truly believe that for sure. That's a big one for me of just doing what we want to be doing personally. And Mm. the other one is, don't be afraid to change paths. That is such incredible advice because I think a lot of times and a lot of people that I work with, they get to a point where they've been on the same path for so many years that the fire begins to burn out. And it's actually shifting that path that re-sparks that flame in us, which is so extremely important. So I mm. definitely agree with you in encouraging people to change your path. And we're evolving and growing and we should be, that should reflect in how we live our lives as well. So that is a... Uh, Yeah, super powerful advice, super helpful. I also Mm -hmm. talk about in my book about how at a young age, we're answer the most important question of our lives of what do we want to do with our life? Mm -hmm. But, you know, we're not capable of answering it yet. So it's important that when we mature and we enter that second phase of our life, that we go back and we revisit that question at a time when we're mature enough and we have the life experience to ask ourselves, what am I here to do? You know, what do I want to be doing with life? And not what does someone else want me to be doing or what makes me look successful, what makes me happy and what do, and figuring out what that thing is. So that is really incredible advice. On a final note, where can we find you? Where can we find the program? How can we get in touch? How can we help and give back and support you for such an incredible thing? Yeah. All that good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I think like you're also doing like really important work as well. Like helping people find like that drive and that passion. And it it might take some soul searching to find that, right? But I'm glad that you're, 
that person for, for many people. I don't accept compliments, so let's fast forward past this part. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's a one way fair. that's a one way street. It's <laughs> <laughs> gonna speak my mind. I don't know how to do that. Out. I don't know how to do that. Um, Awkward. You're getting red. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely there's some things that are coming up, like one program that I left out of our conversation, like just because I felt like it like we're talking about wraparound service, but like it's the course and then the mentorship. And then after a couple of months of building rapport, there's we then host an event for the entrepreneurs, our last program, where they share their story and sell their work in their own words. So it's a marketing arm. And so in terms of getting involved, we are hosting something called a virtual online event. It's going to be by donation called the Cardboard Project 3.0. And that's a movement that we started three years ago, just collecting a bunch of cardboard pieces because a lot of people who are homeless like have a, a sign that says like spare change, need food, need housing, need a job. And that was inspired because when I was walking past people with a sign, it really told me like what people needed, but it didn't tell me who, what their story was and who they were. And so every year we had this like really great question that we asked community members to answer on the cardboard pieces anonymously. So 2018, the question was, what's something in your past that's changed who you are today? And 2019 was, what's the most meaningful thing you've ever heard? So listening, seeing, listening. And then this year, because 2020, we couldn't do it. Like this year, our question is, what have you learned about community and connection in the past year? And we're going to have a talk show with a bunch of different people from the downtown east side, like residents, nurses, policymakers. It's going to be a fun talk show, like very informal. And how you can get involved is, you know, we're really hoping to engage the people who are attending the event to get involved in this, answering this question, right? What have you learned about community and connection over this past year during COVID? This is called a cardboard ambassador volunteer position where it's really easy. You either, you engage your friends, you talk about this question, answer, and you can submit a video of yourself just to really spread the word about this very important dialogue. You can do an IGTV series if you're an influencer and you want to engage your community and sharing our event, answering the cardboard piece yourself and posting it on Instagram or TikTok or whatever people use these days. Because it's virtual, I think it's a bigger opportunity to include more voices, not just downtown Eastside stakeholders like residents and nurses and policymakers, but also the attendees that come that kind of have that, like you said earlier, Joe, of like realizing that we're not all that different. And by answering these questions, like before the event happens, like, I think it's a great opportunity to be able to see that. Like, oh, my response, like some responses we got was like in 2018 of like, what's something in the past that's changed who you are today? Like some people wrote things like, you know, I've been clean for eight years. Or people wrote things like, I got stabbed seven times and I survived. You know, some people say, it's my daughter telling me I love you that changed my life. It's just so much, you know? So that's a long-winded way of saying you could become a Carver Project ambassador, which is kind of like a now volunteer opportunity. If you want to support like our entrepreneurs, like in the long run, we do have opportunities on our website. You just got to go employedempower.com, click get involved in current opportunities. And we are looking for a digital marketing specialist, sponsorship coordinator, teaching assistants, course facilitators, mentors <laughs> to support these awesome people like Mark and Elwood from Crap Trapper. So, so many opportunities. And I think definitely you can contact me as well at Christina at EmployedEmpower.com and follow us on Instagram at EmployedEmpower. Our feed is quite authentic. We just post as we feel and really just focusing on the stories of the people in our program. So we're always looking for volunteers, though. 
high priorities are the mentorship positions, mentorship specialist mentors and course facilitators, because we are getting more demand now from the community because it seems to be useful. It's a different type of volunteering. It's not your average like one-off, which is still great, but the opportunity to really make long-term transformative impact is like some of our volunteers have been giving us feedback that that's been their experience. So yeah, that's another way to get involved. Absolutely. And I've checked out your website and I follow you on social media. I highly encourage people to do so. The Instagram page will definitely brighten up your day a little bit. It just shows like the real life in real time, what they're up to. And it really is incredible. And also just an opportunity for anyone who has a service or a gift that they use, like you said, graphic designing, anything that you do in your professional life, you know, this is a great opportunity for you to use those same services and things that you love to do in a way that also gives back and help others because it's people like that who are going to help Christina as well by offering, being good people and offering their services to help everyone. You know, I have this conversation with a good friend of mine all the time about volunteering and giving back and she's a big believer. Her name's Helen. Shout out to Helen. She's a big believer that of using your services and what you're really good at in your profession in a way that you can give back with those same things. So if you are an accountant, for example, and that's your thing, how can you use that service to give back and help people as well? So Mm. for anyone listening who might be in that world of anything to do with entrepreneurship, have a look at the website, see if that's an option, or even just reach out to Christina and say, hey, this is what I do. And I would love to support you and what you're doing. And that's great. And the final comment that I'll make about the cardboard project is it shows how thin the barrier is between, I guess, how we might be labeling other people. If you do nothing and you just see them, our brain and society has shaped us in a way where we just look at someone from a certain perspective. But that situation is so thin that all it takes is one question. All you have to do is see the answer from someone to one question and rate immediately you can now relate to them as a human being. So what you're doing that is like, it's so genius in the sense of, look, this is all it takes. Because as soon as you can relate to someone and you see we are all one and we are all human beings with struggles, the whole game changes for how we look at each other and help each other. And we all need help in different ways. And by doing that, you make it so simple to show that to people by looking across the room or on the social media platform of, oh, look at their answer. They are just like I am. And I have the same answer, like creating that relationship. It's that easy. It's so easy to break that social barrier that we've created in society. And you're doing that, which is awesome. On that note, it's your Friday. I've held you up way longer than I meant to do. I just want to say thank you for everything that you are doing in Vancouver and in the world. And People, please support however you can. Get in touch with Christina. Check out the website, Employ to Empower. And thank you very much for spending your time with us and sharing your passion and your love for life and what you're doing. It it has brightened up my day. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. I really appreciate you giving me a platform to just open up and just talk organically about, you know, what's been going on and even like come back to you, like learning more about your story. Definitely really hope that one thing that I hope that people will take away is that like, you know, people have strengths already and it's just really a matter of supporting them to help them see that. Not like a kind of staying away from like a savior perspective because I know that that is something that really makes people feel a little uncomfortable in the community. Yeah, definitely looking at ways to get involved and like we have so many creative ways to get involved, like time and talent, 
like donating your time and talent, that's huge. And it can really help someone get through traditional hurdles that they might not be able to overcome without your support. To touch on what Joe is saying about doing what you're really good at and use, considering donating that as a service, we do need someone to do websites for our amazing entrepreneurs. So that is something that if you're super good at, H, what's it called, HTML, CSS, JavaScript, then please do get in touch. We are actively looking right now. Okay. There it is. There's, thank you. there's the call. Yes, Let's thank support you, each other. Absolutely. Okay. On that note, everybody right. have an incredible day. We will talk to you later. Peace. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Chosen Ones. If you did, if you could leave me a five-star review, it would mean the world to me. I know life is busy, so I truly appreciate you taking the time. Please also feel free to subscribe and share. You can learn more about me at mastersoflifesociety.com, where you can also find The Chosen Ones book and podcast, as well as on my YouTube channel, Masters of Life Society, where you can find the videos of these episodes as well as my social media shorts. And you can connect with me on Facebook and Instagram, at Joseph Richard Powell. Thank you so much for your support. I love y'all.